Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The SEC is in a holding pattern. Hello, it is Wednesday, May 31st. This is the College Football Daily. The most powerful conference in college football still doesn't quite know if it wants to move ahead with an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule, though there may finally be some clarity and maybe a final vote on which way to move starting as soon as the 2024 season this week as the SEC conducts its spring meetings. As we record this on a Tuesday evening in Destin, Florida, athletic directors, coaches, and presidents are meeting throughout the week, and a final vote, if there is one, will not come until Friday. So what are the pluses and minuses of these formats? Well, you've probably heard them ad nauseum, and for that matter, what does it really matter? Well, it matters because the SEC, at least for a time, a year ago, seemed to be trying to move away from the idea that they always play FCS cupcakes and group of five cupcakes late in November to pad their schedule going into the college football playoff and the bowl contention. Well, the SEC and the Big Ten, for that matter, as they try to separate themselves further from the pack among other power five conferences, have kind of realized maybe we should just be playing ourselves against ourselves more often so we can increase our own inventory and increase our strength of schedule while also probably alienating the rest of college football, though they won't readily admit that. So the SEC, as we've reported at 247sports.com for the last several weeks and including last Last week going into the SEC spree meetings is pretty split on whether to move ahead with an eight game model, which would be one permanent rival with seven rotating opponents or a nine game model, which would be a three permanent rivals with six rotating opponents. The problem for those who are opposed to sticking with an eight game schedule is that some secondary rivalry games would only be played every other season, including the likes of Alabama LSU and heck, even Texas, Texas A&M would only be played every other year with an eight game model. You go with a nine game model, those games are sure to continue year to year. I was talking to Brian Kelly, LSU's head coach, on Tuesday. He is a proponent for moving to a nine-game schedule. And he said, I want to play Alabama. Those big games are why I left Notre Dame to come to the SEC. And I straight up asked him, I go, you know, the only way you can play Alabama every year is to play a nine-game schedule. Do you want to play Alabama every year? And he said, heck yeah a big proponent for the nine-game schedule. But you have other coaches, and for that matter, really administrators and presidents who have been kind of against the nine-game schedule, wanting to stick with eight games. Their concern is that it'll be much more difficult to get the bowl eligibility. Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart, along with Mark Stoops, his head coach for football, been against the nine-game model 
and have been very vocal about it. Interestingly, they haven't spoken here yet at SEC spring meetings. As I record this on a Tuesday night, the first full day of spring meetings here, but their voices will be heard in that room. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, seems to be leaning and tipping his hat that his personal preference is a nine-game format, but again, saying, I'm not sure if there's going to be a vote this week, though he believes they're poised to do so, and also reiterating that he has a personal preference. He's not going to say it publicly, but he has communicated it with his SEC administrators, which are the 80s and presidents. And at some point this week, if he feels the need, he says he will speak up and potentially ask ask the SEC membership to do what is in the best interest of the conference. What is in the best interest of the conference? Well, that depends on which side of the issue you fall on. But the general consensus since last year, when this scheduling format idea came up last year and was potentially going to be up to a vote at the SEC spring meetings in 2022, was that a nine-game schedule seemed to be inevitable. And yet here we are a year later, still discussing it, still trying to figure it out. I think personally, from talking a lot of ADs and coaches around the conference. They're tired of discussing this over and over and over again, and they're hopeful that they can come to a conclusion one way or another this week. Will we actually see the vote? Who knows? But, you know, also the other thing is Greg Sankey, who has said that the airplane is circling the airport, I would like to land the plane. As he mentioned Tuesday night to reporters, there's a lot of fuel reserves in that plane. And he reminded us back when Missouri and Texas A&M joined the SEC, they didn't finalize a schedule and schedule rotation for those teams and everybody joining in the SEC for that next season until roughly, I think, like nine months or 10 months before they boarded the conference. So we could be waiting a little bit. The can could be kicked down the road. And potentially, there could be temporary scheduling models that go in place for just one year or maybe two years in 2024 and 2025. More on this and the other issues and some other topics that are really interesting here at SEC Spring Meetings after these messages. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. I also find it very interesting that a lot of SEC members have gone ahead and scheduled out their non-conference opponents for quite some time, some all the way through 2037. And the problem with that is that if the SEC moves to a nine-game schedule from their current eight-game model, a lot of non-conference games would have to be rescheduled or canceled. In fact, by my count, among 12 SEC members, there would be 38 games that would need to be rescheduled or canceled altogether. 
only a handful of schools, four schools in fact, are prepared to start a nine-game schedule in 2024. Those schools only have three non-conference games scheduled or two non-conference games scheduled. Everybody else is full up. They've got four non-conference games and they will have to cancel one to be able to fulfill a nine-game schedule if that's the way the SEC moves ahead here in Destin, or for that matter, at a later date, if they were to decide to go with the nine-game schedule. Another issue going against the nine-game schedule is that ESPN has yet to communicate with the SEC just how much more money they would pay for the extra inventory that this extra ninth game would provide ESPN. Remember, ESPN it will soon now be the exclusive multimedia rights partner with the SEC. It's also a part owner in the SEC network, and it takes over that contract that CBS has had for quite some time for the premier Saturday afternoon games that were on CBS. So now ESPN is going to own that moving forward. And so ESPN with a lot of control here and obviously has really got probably the uh the bargaining chip in their in their corner so to speak. They uh they don't necessarily have to move on this. They signed a contract saying we're going to pay you this, so this is kind of what you have to deal with. It's going to be some interesting times to say the least when they actually start negotiating a little bit further down the road. Money always drives a conversation in college sports and act like it doesn't. It's kind of foolish. And so waiting here to hear something from the SEC on the eight game versus nine game schedule. I think it would have been sped up quickly and probably would have been decided by now if ESPN had actually stepped forward, say even a year ago, said, hey, we're going to pay you this X amount of money for this extra conference game. But yet here we are at a standstill. Of course, media companies, including ESPN, hemorrhaging money right now. Streamers are cutting back. ESPN has had thousands of layoffs under the Disney umbrella. And so kind of just sitting here, no one really willing to budge. And I think a lot of it does have to do with money, even if, you know, administrators don't want to actually you know, admit to that. Elsewhere here in the SEC, what else are they talking about? They're talking about field storming and court storming and player safety and the safety of fans. And do you potentially increase the financial penalties on these schools when they break those policies? Remember right now, the SEC fines schools up to half a million dollars for storming the field, depending on a stage structure on first offense, second offense, and third offense. And obviously that hasn't changed things. So does the SEC look at these schools to provide more security at these games? How do you go about doing that? That's a hot topic here as well. And of course, all these coaches are talking about NIL and also tampering in the transfer portal. But, and I hate to say this, but you get the similar answer from every single coach you speak to here, which is, well, we have some ideas and everything. You throw them around and everybody knows this is happening and that's happening, but there's really no solutions because it's well over their head. How do you go about trying to put like 3 million worms back into a jar? It's nearly impossible. And when it comes to NIL, it's simple as this. There's no national legislation. Laws differ from state to state. And you even have some laws state to state that actually try to go against the SEC and not allow them to legislate something that would go across state lines. So in the 11 to 12 foot, 12, excuse me, 12 state footprint in the SEC, when Oklahoma joins the SEC in 2024, laws differ from state to state and sometimes wildly. And they're seen as competitive disadvantages and advantages depending on the states you look at there. And the SEC is looking at potentially in the future, trying to find a way to provide some common language, at least within its own footprint. But how do you do that without like purposely lobbying, <laughs> becoming hiring lobbyists to go work in these state legislators to get people to draw up bills and everything like that, and then also try to work with Congress to maybe do something that's nationwide. Again, 
this is something that, that college sports just was not prepared for. It's very obvious. And now that this has been going on for several years now with NIL, it's it's difficult to find a way to, to put a freaking comet that's zooming through space and somehow get it to, to stop at a standstill. How do you figure that out? No one really knows. People have a lot of ideas, but really it's just, not to say hot air, it's just a lot of talk behind closed doors and a lot of gnashing of teeth and people just frustrated and throwing their hands up to the sky going, what can we do? And really nothing they say will fix the problem because they have no power over that problem. And again, that's why SEC scheduling is such a hot topic because they actually do have power over that problem right now. And transfer portal with the tampering issue. What's interesting that I found here is that the SEC, as you may know, has a, a interconference transfer rule where after February 1st, you are not allowed to transfer to another school in the SEC from another and be immediately eligible, which has made things pretty quiet in the spring months as far as the potential inducements from boosters at another school reaching out to someone who's already enrolled somewhere else going, hey, won't you come to my favorite school? I'll give you $300,000 or whatever. Um, so that's kind of quieted things down in the SEC, but it's still pretty hot in the fall months and especially in December when the football season ends. But again, you're not really hearing any SEC coaches, one, accuse anybody of that within the SEC, or for that matter, say, I know that this player was tampered with. In other conferences, that's not the case. Uh, a couple of weeks ago at the ACC spring meetings, Dave Clawson at Wake Forest was doing everything but point his finger at certain schools outside the ACC footprint of tampering taking his own players from Wake Forest and going elsewhere. And for that matter, some players remaining at Wake Forest that had an opportunity to go elsewhere. But tampering, a big issue. And again, just like with SEC scheduling, just like with NIL, tampering, it's all about money. Money is the root of all these issues, and money is what's always in the background. It's the it's the sound you hear as Scrooge McDuck jump into his coins during every one of these SEC meetings. You guys are getting paid a lot of money as head coaches and ADs, and you're getting a lot of money for your universities. So with money come big problems, and you've got to deal with it. Sadly for the SEC, and for that matter, a lot of college athletics and college football, a lot of these problems you can talk about, but you just can't find solutions because you don't have power over those solutions. The money has the power over you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the College Football Daily live via tape delay in Destin, Florida at the SEC Spring Meetings. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcella. Make sure to check out 247sports.com for full coverage of the SEC Spring Meetings. We'll see you down the road.